On today's episode, we're discussing topics we've never talked about before in depth on this show, such as infomercials, celebrity endorsements, making products in the USA, and even cryptocurrency. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. And we've got uh, somebody who's a blast from my past. We worked together, ooh, it's probably been like three, four years ago now. Nick, Nick, how's it going? Hey, Bradley. Good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, thanks for coming here. So, what I always start these things out with is I like getting everybody's backstory. Now, I don't even know this. I don't even think we ever had this conversation when I was when we were working together. But where were you uh, born and raised? Sure. Yeah, uh, I was actually born and raised in San Diego. Oh, local local guy. Nice. Yes, sir. What high school did you go to down here? San Marcos High School. Oh, a San Marcos night in the house. So growing up, you know, you know, here in san marcos area i guess you know which is for those who don't know it's north san diego county like what did you think you were going to be when you grew up like let's say you're eight nine ten years old in elementary school did you have any ambitions then i want to be a firefighter or i want to be a you know youtuber or what <laughs> yeah actually i i really wanted to be a pilot when i was a kid that was my dream okay i like it i like it i like that's that's what kids should be dreaming about you know stuff stuff like that all right so then after you graduated from high school did you enter uh, college right away? So I went to uh, Palomar College I, for just a community college for about two and a half yep. years. And then I uh, transferred to Cal State Fullerton and got my degree in finance. Okay. All right, cool. I went to Palomar too. My daughter actually, you know, to make me feel old, my daughter even graduated from Palomar. I'm that old now. I have a daughter who graduated from the same college I did. But anyways. Oh, that's cool. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So finance and, and you kind of, got into that field right out of college then, right? Sort of. I was a financial analyst for a few years and um, I ended up taking a job as a business analyst and that's how Bradley and I synced up um, at, a, at a company. Um, okay. And, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. And you know, we, we don't have to mention names of the companies or anything. I, I really, I'm not even sure I have, but we'll, I'd like to first talk about that because I think what that company did is something I've always indirectly talked about, which I think is important and, um, mm -hmm. Uh, something that people in e-commerce and just, you know, in, in, in sales and in, you know, people who have products, they overlook and, and that's the power of, of infomercials. And, and really it's, it's something that could be, you know, you could build a very sustainable business model off of it. However, it's not that easy to do. Otherwise everybody would be doing it. But, but that company there kind of like, eventually, of course, you know, we'll talk about this later, you know, they got into Walmart and, and other brick and mortar things and, but but really, would you say that the how it got on the map is is through infomercials? You know, it's hard to say. Uh, I would say that's probably how they got their beginning. Yeah, um, and then they eventually, you know, organically got into like you said, brick and mortar opportunities. But uh, you know, they they hit the 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 their their product craze at the exact right time, and they had mm. a lot of capital to invest. So yeah, they hit it big. Yeah. So, but like. The reason why it's not that's not maybe a feasible for everybody is because in that especially it is one of the epitomes of it takes money to make money. So definitely what 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 do like, you know, if somebody is going to 
to be going to like, you know, late night TV shows. You know, we're not talking about Super Bowl ads here or, or prime time, you know, ABC, you know, commercials, but, but Hey, I, I want to go on some of the, 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 the smaller cable channels and, and from the 9 PM slot at night or something, you know, where, where, where people are just sitting around doing, you know, doing nothing and, and, and they would actually sit through a five minute infomercial. Like what is, how, how does that even work? Like, like, you know, do, do they charge by showing, do they charge by the length of it? Like even, even I work there, I really didn't know about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So all of the above actually, um, you know, the cost of a 15 second spot versus the 30 second spots different. Um, the, the time and channel it airs on is all different. Um, it, it's pretty archaic how they do it. It's like a, like a brokerage house almost, uh, for these stations. But, uh, yeah, it can it can definitely vary, especially if you're looking at you know prime time rates versus overnight rates. Okay, so then what's what's the average? Like, hey, um, I don't know what what's a what's a AMC or 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 I don't know Sci Fi Channel or something. I, I I want a you know midnight slot and a five five minute infomercial that's actually programmed there. Like, what would that set me back? Oh well, five minute infomercials going to be pretty expensive. Um, I've seen them as high as, you know, 25, 35 grand uh, for, for that long. Um, you know, if you're just trying to go for a 30 second spot during prime time on say AMC, it might cost you, I don't know, 2,500 bucks. And then like how many showings do you get? Or is that only one? That's just one. Wow. All right. But depending on your offer, you could like totally make that money back. Definitely. That uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the infomercial space, excuse me, uh, was a lot bigger back then. Um, but even still, it, it does have, if, especially if you have, you know, online sales or, or your brick and mortar sales on the back end, uh, running an infomercial might not be profitable up front, but uh, mm -hmm. your, tr your trails are very profitable. Okay. So then how many eyeballs are, are seen? Like, like, like something that you just said would, would be like a $25,000 spot you know what's the estimated number of people who are who are actually consuming that piece of content um i mean it's highly subjective on on the channel and, and the time of course but uh you know for high volume channels like amc it could be you know uh hundred thousand people it could be a few hundred thousand people um you know when you get into uh prime time between four and eight p.m it could be millions so mm -hmm. it, it just depends wow. so then how do you measure success then is it kind of like you guys go over by conversion rate or it's just a, a raw number of conversions or, or like what how do you determine just because like you said you know you might not up front just immediately during that infomercial make that money back so, so how do you measure if something was successful or not yeah so you have to look at it in the aggregate so you got to look at all the channels of revenue you have first and foremost is the infomercial you'll have a 800 number on the actual commercial where people will call and then you can directly measure conversions and product purchases. Um, and then you have your back-end channels, like your online sales that you know are subsequent to that, that commercial. You'll see a spike in your web traffic and you can gauge orders then. And that's, you know, there's whole attribution models built around that using, you know, statistical significance. Um, and then uh, you, you can measure and indirectly measure, you know, your retail and, and brick and mortar foot traffic and, and sales there as well. So um, that, that gets a little more murky, but I would say. Also, so, so, so like, for example, like, like, let's say we're in every Walmart or whatever, mm -hmm. when we go heavy 
on ads or, or infomercials, you can see a direct correlation with an uptick in purchases in the brick and mortar? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, it, it really depends. If you're airing on nationally broadcasted television uh, across the United States, you, you really can't. Um, but there have been instances when you can drill down and maybe target, um, you know, what we call geo-target specific regions. Um, and then there you can actually, yes, you can gauge an increase in foot traffic. Interesting. Interesting. And I, I know it has, you know, we, we'll talk about this later, but I know it has a direct effect on, on Amazon as well. You know, when I was running the Amazon over there, you know, like, and there'd be a, a week where there is heavy, heavy uh, push in, in spend for the TV, it would have a direct correlation to Amazon. What happens is, is people see the infomercial, they like the product. And even though it's cheaper to call the 1-800 number or go to that .com that's right there in the commercial, people's first reaction is like, you know what? I'm going to go buy this on Amazon. Oh, it's, it's, it's going to cost me a little bit more money, but I get it in one or two days. And I, tr for whatever reason, people trust Amazon even more than companies own websites. Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. I mean, the trust factor that Amazon's developed through the years is just unparalleled. Okay. So now, you know, for, for, for bigger companies, Hey, you know, $25,000 might be a drop in the bucket of your marketing spend, but, but for, for maybe other Amazon sellers or people who are you know, who are newer in their product life cycle, they're, they're not going to drop $25,000 uh, to make an infomercial. Is there anything quote unquote entry level that somebody with a smaller budget can get started in infomercials that test it out like a 30 second slot and only in a certain region or on local broadcasting? Like, like what is something that somebody getting into it who wants to just try it out can it can even be accessible to them or is there nothing like this is only something for big ballers? Well, I have a couple thoughts on that. And I, I would probably say, you know, for Amazon sellers, you know, you guys are e-commerce based, right? So I would, I would personally tend to stick to, you know, e-commerce based advertisement um, for a couple of reasons. You know, the TV audience has been dwindling for, you know, 15 years now. It's all about, Paid programming like Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, so viewership on commercials is dwindling, but there is a high barrier or high moat to get into that. Like you said, Bradley, it's pretty expensive just to run a commercial and you got to run a commercial thousands of times for you to really have an impression on your audience or your target audience. So um, I, I'd say, you know, if you had a hundred thousand dollar budget, then maybe you could make a dent, um, you know, airing some commercials, but it's probably not worth it when you're talking about hmm. um, SEO and, and Google delivered ads that you could possibly, you know, run or, or PPC on Amazon. So I think there's a trade off there. Um, I would say that that's probably an industry that is going to continue to have a, a downward spiral mm -hmm. in my okay. opinion. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Now, for those who don't know, um, you know, guys, I have been doing a lot of different case studies out there uh, in in the Helium Ten ecosystem, and and some of them I, I don't really, you know, publicize what what company it is, or I don't, you know, show the the images. But then a lot of people, you have seen the the hemp cream, the in motion hemp cream uh, case study I did, where I was showing you guys how to rank for keywords that are forbidden, like CBD. But this is actually uh, Nick's one of Nick's products that that he's developed, and and. Um, I had a couple of questions on this. So like one thing, Nick, I noticed you did with this company a while back. I'm not sure if you still use them, but like you actually had some celebrity, I, I don't know what you'd call it, like endorsements, yeah. you know, yeah. for this. Yeah. So like what what drove you or what what gave you the idea to 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 do that? Not, not a lot of people 
you know, get celebrity endorsements for, uh, you know, an Amazon product? Well, um, you know, it's, it's something that's probably more common nowadays than back then. But, um, you know, influencers, what they're called now, or, you know, we call them just celebrity influencers back then. But, you know, they, they tend to have a lot of impact on the market, um, especially their target market. Um, and, you know, it was an opportunity that uh, just kind of fell into our laps. So um, we ended up not uh, continuing on after the first contract just because we didn't see a progressive ROI uh, on our retail, on our advertisement spin. But it was an interesting opportunity. Um, you know, I, I, I have heard of case studies where sellers have actually utilized influencers successfully, like uh, there's a hemp company or maybe it's called cbd something i'll have to look it up but anyways they they have models that just promote their product and they they sell a lot uh it, it can work it just depends on your niche so what was the structure like 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 for a contract you know for that because it well in the amazon world when people think of influencer marketing i think they strictly think of Hey, I'm just going to pay for a post on somebody's instagram or or to to, to put me in their instagram story or or to mm -hmm. make an unboxing YouTube video, but not as like, hey, let's make them part of the packaging or, or let's use some images that, that show them with the, with the product and, and you just go off of their celebrity name uh, uh, almost. So like, how does it work? Like, is it a, is it a monthly contract? Is it a one-time fee? And then they have to agree to, hey, I can be on the package and I can, you can use me on the image or how does that even work? So it probably depends on how high profile your celebrity is. Um, I, I've heard of upfront payments. I've heard of installment payments. I've heard of upfront payments and installment payments with um, a residual on the back end, you know, on a per unit basis. Um, for ours in particular, it was a quarterly payment and they also wanted 1% of all of our sales indefinitely mm. um, as long okay. as they were under contract. So, but, ah. you know, we, we also got a lot out of that because they developed commercials for us for TV they developed, um, you know, online ads for us. We got to put them on our product packaging. Um, so it, it all around, it was a good test. It worked out for us. Okay. Are, are we still talking about the, the hemp cream? Yeah. You, you did TV hemp cream ads? We did, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I thought it was just a, I thought this was like strictly an Amazon uh, product here. Yeah, we, we did some testing on TV as well. Ah, okay. All right. And then th that went to like a .com website uh, and an 800 number or how did that work? Yeah. So it went direct to our website. We didn't direct it to Amazon. Okay. And then, so now is it strictly an Amazon product uh, and you're not doing any more outside advertising? We do have our, our website, but I'd say 95% of our sales are still all Amazon. Okay. Okay. So, so there's another explanation maybe why in the beginning you know when i look back at this you know before i uh, i came on and, and started helping with the account you know obviously sales were really high and, and we're, we're going to talk about uh one of the reasons why it went down but but driving some of that sales uh apart from the fact that it was a newer niche at the time was possibly some of the you know exposure it was getting in in infomercials all right guys quick break in this episode for our bts bradley's 30 seconds here's my 30 second tip one of the Project 5K products that you know we talked a little bit about in this episode was a product that can be used for multiple different kinds of, of fruit. And so instead of just making a SKU for each one or trying to market to all of those different use cases in one listing, 
What we did was we actually created two separate listings and we have a fancy product packaging for this one. And on two sides of the product, we put the, the image for the one fruit, let's just call it an apple. And then the other two sides, we put some marketing material for another fruit, let's call it a pear, right? Now we took pictures of both. And so like, you know, on the both listings, there's, they're completely different products. Like the, the, on two different listings, the, the images are different and the, and the use case is different and the whole marketing copy because it's different keywords that drive sales to each of them. But in actuality, it's only one product. Like the contents of the product is exactly the same. And so we only have to order one product from the factory, but we have two separate listings and I don't put an FN SKU or Amazon sticker at the factory. I have them ship it all to my warehouse here. And then just as I need like more of one or more of the other product, then I just go ahead and put the FN SKU sticker on there and I send it. So if you, if you have a product that can be used for two, three different things, sometimes it's better not to try and market to all those different use cases, but to actually have completely separate listings and market it in a different way with the same amount of investments and not having to order 500 of each. I just order 500 of one. And now I have 250 of each. One thing, and I said we were talking about this, but uh, it was uh, it was really funny what happened was when I first took it on it, and I think I probably wrote a couple of blogs on the Helium 10 blog about this, was I was like, why, why are sales so far down? And, and then what I started looking at is all of a sudden, all these other hemp creams were, were, were promoting like in their packaging and in their titles and stuff. Like, um, let me, let me just type it in right now to just search. What was it called? Oh yeah. <laughs> it would go to something crazy. Like there would be like a thousand milligrams of, 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 of hemp or, or something like yeah. that. And then now, now this is ridiculous. I'm looking at page one, position one, it's 235 million. You know, they put these right. crazy, <laughs> crazy numbers. Right. And it's like, you know, th this is just completely bogus. First of all, like, like, but what happened was, you know, on our packaging, you know, what did they have before? It was like 200 or 300 or something like that. 300. And that was pretty close to when we first kicked off. And I don't know how it devolved into a hemp milligram race in our entire, entire 235 million. Yeah. But so, yeah, like a year and a half ago, it was the thing that was killing our product was that, you know, everybody else had like 1000 and then ours had 300 and just, you know, Human psych, uh, you know, psychology is like, oh, 1,000 is better than, you know, 200 or 300 or whatever. You right. know, they're not really looking into, wait a minute, the, the actual case studies show that this is the recommended dose and stuff, or this is actually probably a completely bogus number. Like people don't, they just look at the, you know, the, the fancy image in a, in a big number. And so, so I, I don't know if you knew this, Nick, but I actually wrote a blog on, on one of the things that I did was we, we Photoshopped a couple of the pictures to take out that 300 and then we took it out of the title mm -hmm. and then we kind of just like focused on the actual product. And so, cause you know, we're like, you know, we're not going to go with lie and say this has more milligrams of, of hemp than, than, than these or, or, or of whatever this is right. uh, than, than the other companies like, you know, that that's not, as you know, the FTC and, and different things are, especially if you're on TV is like very, very picky about claims, you know, you make absolutely uh, on packaging, you know, so I know you had said, no, nah, we're not going to go that, that route. So just that one thing by itself, like I, I forgot what it increased. It, it made like a 25% increase in sales just by taking off something in marketing so that people were not comparing that number 300 to this 1000. But, um, right. Uh, that's just something to keep in mind, guys. You know, what happens is, you know, you might be first to market and you might have a great product and there's other inferior products, but if, if they're very shady about how they do marketing, they could just go in and 
kind of fool the the audience out there and and take advantage. Um, and so like you know, I'm never going to suggest going down to competitors' levels and and lying about things or or misleading customers. But just you just got to understand that something like that can happen. And if you're an above board company, there might be nothing you can really do to to recoup your market share. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and Bradley, we got to hand the credit to you on that one because you kind of saved us from going down a path that, you know, it's just a bottomless pit, really. You know, you can't really compete yep. that way. So, yep. um, yeah, credit to you, man. Thanks. Thanks. Now, have you ever taken a look at your numbers? We have subscribe and save active on all of the products, right? On this hemp account? We do. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, you know, taking a look at the numbers of the breakdown uh, lately. I, I think I did like maybe a year and a half ago, but I haven't l lately like to see how, how, how much sales come through from the subscribe and save as opposed to just one off. Yeah. Um, I also haven't lately as well. Um, but I did, when I did look at it, it was somewhere around 15 to 20% of our sales were subscribe and save. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that sounds about right. So guys, if you're in the you know supplement space or, or any kind of consumable or, or, or something that people need to, to, you know, replenish, you know, not like a coffin shelf, like, like we have, or you, you buy one coffin shelf. I, I can't imagine you ever needed another one, but, but something like hemp cream, it, it, you use it and then you need more. So always turn subscribe and save on guys, because especially in the supplements and, and beauty categories and, and health categories, you're going to see very high PPC costs. And some of our PPC costs, that's another, one of the things that I'm trying to like keep under control in this account is, is very high. And you might look like you're losing money, but you just got to remember sometimes that, it costs a lot of money maybe to, to get a customer in, but once you have them in on one of these kind of products and, and you get them on subscribe and save, you're, you're not paying PPC costs anymore, you know, later, later on for them. So um, what are some other things that, you know, you've dealt a lot with uh, launching supplements uh, on Amazon, uh, you've dealt with, you know, health and, and, and products. Can you talk a little bit of about some things that people who are thinking about getting to these kind of categories you have in mind? We, we, we talked a little bit about subscribe and save. We talked a little bit about, regulations maybe you can get more into the regulations side or, or some pitfalls to avoid anything like that yeah you got to be uh, very careful about specific claims you know I, I can't speak to um you know a lot of categories but in particular you know let's just go keep on the topic of health cream you know it, it, anytime we're addressing and i'm going to give an example arthritis uh ftc and amazon don't want to hear about that they don't want to say that your remedy or you alleviate pain for arthritis because, you know, we don't, we haven't been approved for that claim through the FTC. So that was a big curl that we had to overcome with Amazon. Oh yeah. I remember that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause it wasn't, it, that was something that it took you a while to fix. And then a couple of times it still reared its head because somebody who didn't know what they were doing at Amazon, like, we're like, Nope, this is not allowed, but we already went through that process. Can you, can you talk just a couple of minutes about what you went through with that uh, hemp product with the arthritis thing? Yeah, that was a pretty, pretty big headache, you know, as Amazon does, you know, they just suspend your listing and then, you know, you got to figure out why it was suspended. Right. So, you know, delving into that, we, you know, contacted customer support and they said, Oh yeah, it's your use of arthritis. So, you know, we went back to our listings and removed just the word and claim through all of our listings. And we went back to customer support and we said, hey, we removed it. We're sorry. They're like, okay, great. And, you know, week, two weeks go by. Our listings are still suspended. What, what's going on? Well, fine. it has to do operationally with how Amazon replicates their listings across, um, across their stores. And not just in the United States. It could be Canada. It could be other countries as well. 
Um, but what they do is they they take mirror image of your listings and they project them onto other stores. So these projections aren't necessarily all linked to your original listing. So if you make an adjustment on your original listing, sometimes that's not reflected in your other international listing. So basically Amazon's internal database was saying, hey, you guys still haven't removed this. And we're like saying, yeah, we have, like we've complied, you know, <laughs> we don't want to fight with you guys. Amazon, you win, you know? Um, so it, it was a headache. It was probably a two month experience where our listings were down and it was, it hurt financially. So, um, yep. you know, it is what it is. We got through it and, uh, you know, but sometimes it's not very fair because Amazon will just spring these new policies on you without any heads up and they'll just suspend your listing and, and you're left scratching mm-hmm. your head. Yeah. Unless I'm mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, but almost all of the different supplements and, and topicals and, and stuff like that, that you've produced, you know, for Amazon, haven't all those been made in USA? Yes, sir. We're, we're proud to boast that. How, how would you, yeah, for, first of all, absolutely guys, you know, like, Put that on your packaging and put that in your title. That that actually matters to a lot of people. But there's a lot of benefits, I would imagine, that uh, of made in USA, like you know, delivery times and and logistics and and any other any other benefits other than just just by having a made in USA that it looks better to uh, customers. Like, what were some of the benefits you think that you you had by 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 making your product locally? Yeah, well, prior to COVID, I mean, that was the only benefit that we could boast. You know, it was just marketing, but. Once COVID hit and, you know, the supply chain backed up, you know, a lot of, we found out a lot of our competitors in the space, uh, they're sourcing products internationally, especially, you know, China and Taiwan, um, at least, you know, tubes and, and um, packaging as well. So I, I think, and I can't substantiate this, but we had a, an increase in our rankings because we were actually able to source inventory versus a lot of our competitors who were not. Um, so, you know, it, it pays to have, you know, you might pay a little bit more to have it produced and manufactured in the United States, but, um, you know, you have more control on the supply chain process. Yep. Yep. For sure. What, one other thing, uh, again, um, I'm not, you know, people have heard me talk about this thing that I call project 5k. And, um, that's the one where we made a whole bunch of like really, you know, smaller products for an initial investment of $5,000. And I said, Oh, this is, one of my friends accounts uh, that, that, you know, he was helping somebody get on Amazon. That's actually Nick again. So Nick is the, the, the person who's behind that, uh, behind that product as well. Now that's just an interesting thing because, you know, you started learning yourself about Amazon and then you're like, wait a minute, you know, let me advertise myself and just see if somebody wants to, to, you know, for me to help them get started on Amazon. And I think that's something that a lot of Amazon sellers could do. Yeah. You know, keep your own Amazon business, but if you if you if you get some great you know procedures in place or a team uh, to work on something you know are, there's people out there who like are too scared to get started they don't want to spend like eight thousand dollars for a Amazon course because they don't realize that with helium 10 you can pretty much get it for a, a course you know included with your membership but they're, they're they're willing to just like you know hire people to, to manage it like how did you even and I, and I know this wasn't the only one you've done but how did you even get yourself out there to, to find this, this client who eventually became our quote unquote project 5k case study. Like, like how did you even get that person on board? Like how did you uh, advertise yourself? Yeah, to be honest, I didn't really do much, you know, anything special. Um, so first and foremost, I, I already had a business set up for my Amazon stuff. So that, you know, had that done. Um, but then I went and just built a really basic website. Um, you know, just 
uh, Amazon consultants, you know, we can help you um, develop products. We can help you some of your listings, optimizations, stuff like that, advertisement. And then I just paid for some um, SEO. Basically, I just had a writer develop a bunch of content and develop some backlinks to some formidable articles across the space. And all of a sudden, I'm ranking pretty high on Google for my website over, you know, it took about six months. But um, then all of a sudden, I'm getting inquiries from customers or potential customers saying, hey, can you do this? I'm like, uh, Yeah, I think so. We can do this. Um, and, you know, this particular customer that Bradley's talking about, she, she wanted to get started and Amazon didn't have a huge budget. Um, you know, like he said, five grand and was just like, hey, you know, can can I do anything with this? And, you know, I kind of took it to Bradley because I didn't I was scratching my head about it. And he lo and behold, he develops an entire product line behind it, which is incredible. All right, guys, that sound means it's time for our C.A.T., our cat of the episode, which stands for Clubhouse After Party Tip. Once a week, we go live on the Clubhouse app and bring back former Serious Sellers podcast guests. We take live questions from you and they give you their best tip out there. So every episode, we're going to be giving you guys clips from these episodes we've been doing on Clubhouse. So you can get some great strategies from our former guests. Now, if you have the Clubhouse app, make sure to search for the Club Serious Sellers podcast and follow it so that you can be notified when we go live. You can also follow our director of training on there at H10 Bradley. In this clip, we had Ryan Ebel, an eight-figure Amazon seller, originally from episode 83 on the Clubhouse call. And people asked him questions about how to build a powerful presence for their own e-commerce business. What is the best advice for the people who sell multiple inventory? Because now I can, this is my first year selling on Amazon, and I didn't know that from April 14th to October, you cannot send any meltable inventory to Amazon. So what is the best advice if anybody have any experience? Yeah, um, I do, or my partner does in our business. Um, we sell a lot of chocolate, and um, historically, I think we stopped selling in April. But this summer, we actually got a shipping container. We put it in our warehouse, and we put a little refrigerator uh, like a little tiny air conditioner thing so we can temperature control that area. And then we have some special packaging to pack each box with so that it doesn't melt. And then, so during that time, Ryan, are you fulfilling everything uh, yourself as opposed to sending it into FBA? Yeah, it's all merchant fulfilled. I think there are some three PLs. If you're not able to fulfill yourself out of your own facility, I believe there are some three PLs that can offer these services. Okay. Thank you very much. So guys, you know, we did that case study to show that, you know, sometimes people out there or gurus will say, you need $20,000 to be able to do anything on Amazon. You need $10,000. Well, not only did we do it for 5,000, but that wasn't even one product. We launched like 13 products for a total yeah. of, of $5,000. So guys, it is possible. If you have a small budget out there, even $1,000, are you going to become a millionaire? No, this lady didn't become a millionaire. You know, you, you, of course you're, you're kind of capped with what you can do if, if you're dealing with, you know, products that retail for only seven, eight, nine dollars. But if you want to get your feet wet, guys, don't think that you need some humongous $10,000 budget. You can get started for, for low amounts. Now let's just switch really quick. You know, we've taken a lot of time to talk about Amazon, which is great. But I think an another thing that a lot of people are curious about, like, Hey, once I do make it big on Amazon or what kind of investment should I do? And, you know, people do real estate. You know, I, I had a, somebody on a few weeks ago 
who talked about my obsession um and 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 he's the one who got me into it is like you know baseball cards and 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 sport trading cards and investing in that mm-hmm. but i think you know the, the hot topic of of 2021 and 2020 has definitely been like cryptocurrency and and your you know from even before it was like a big big thing you know you even, you, you got me a little bit into it and then i just got out of it cuz i was like this is just like <laughs> i'm, I'm <laughs> like worrying about so many things i can't even think about this kind of stuff let's just say for for beginning you're like hey I, I, i'm doing well on amazon I'm trying to build my retirement. Um, you know, I want something for my kids and, and I just don't want my money. I'm not gonna, I'm definitely going to invest some of my money back in my own company and develop more products, you know, of course, sure. but I kind of like want to start taking 20% of my profits and putting it to something that's going to work for me. And so a question, a, would you recommend cryptocurrency as that thing? Sure. So yes, first and foremost, you know, in any business line you're in, it's always important to take profits and pay yourself, whether that's Amazon or crypto or whatever. If you, you have some profits that you have made on Amazon, you need to diversify a little bit, you know, whether that's stocks, you know, bonds, real estate, crypto, whatever. It's important to pay yourself and diversify your interests a little bit. Um, now on the topic of crypto, I've been in crypto since 2015. I, I was buying Bitcoin around $200, $250. Um, and you know, I've I've made a lot of money. I've lost a lot of money. But over time, Bitcoin and crypto has proven to be uh, a solid investment. And you know, I, I consider myself a longer term holder. Um, and I I really just buy. I don't I don't sell or trade much. But if you you know your primary business is Amazon, but you're looking to kind of diversify and, and maybe create a little passive income for yourself. You can definitely do that in crypto now. Now there's tools in crypto where let's say you bought $5,000 of Bitcoin. You can put it in a company like BlockFi or Celsius and you can earn 6 to 10% passively doing nothing by just holding it. So, you know, and that's that's a lot more than, you know, putting, you know, 5 grand in a bank account and or, you know, earning 3 basis points on on your investment. So there's a lot of infrastructure that's been developed in the last few years that allows investors who don't really have the knowledge of the space to actually make a pretty decent return. So yes, I would definitely recommend crypto right now. Um, and I can, you know, um, it, it, if you like, I can, you know, specify what, what I would, if I had let's money do that. Right yeah. Now. Like, yeah. let's say, let, let me just come up with an example here. Um, there's somebody who, you know, they're not like some big humongous necessary seven figure seller, but, but they're able to, to, to have like, uh, you know, to $2,000 a month, let's just say extra that from profits, you know, that, that, you know, is, is not going back into the company. That's not going in their pocket, but they're like, Hey, I want to invest $2,000 a month from my Amazon earnings into cryptocurrency. First of all, like what's step one, like what do they need to be a, a member of or a subscription to? And then what's the next steps? Like which one would you suggest them getting into? Sure. So, I mean, the easiest way to onboard, um, there, there's a few, ex- you, it depends on where you're based. I'm going to, Presume for the sake of this conversation, everybody's based in the U.S., which may might not be the case. But there's options if you aren't. Um, my personal favorite exchange is called FTX. I mean, everybody's heard of Coinbase. You know, Coinbase just went public. Um, the thing about Coinbase is their fees are going to be incredibly high, unnecessarily high. And you know, I, I'm kind of a prudent person, so I, I tend to veer with exchanges that have good liquidity, but also I'm not going to be gouged with fees. So. For U.S. and international investors, I would highly recommend opening an account at FTX. 
I've got some links I'm going to shoot you guys at the at the bottom of this or at the end of this video. Um, and you guys can get 5% off of your trading fees. It's my re reference link. If you guys start trading a lot, shoot me a message. Um, I'll look at your accounts and, and because I get a referral bonus and I can share those profits with you guys. I'm happy to do so. Um, and second of all, you know, for, for new people who are just getting into crypto, I mean, the most prudent investment really right now is just Bitcoin and Ethereum um, until you, you know, to get your toes wet until you kind of understand the industry, understand the volatility that comes in crypto, because you can be, you know, up, down 10% in a day, no problem. I mean, there's days when I've, you know, lost 30% in a day, which it's scary and it's taunting, but over time, crypto has proven to be a solid investment. You know, if you had bought in 2017, 18, you had bought the peak at $20,000 Bitcoin and just held, you would have tripled your investment right now. So, I mean, it, it's proven to be a store of value. Okay. Now, what, what would you caution against? Like, you know, what would you say? Hey, don't, don't get into, you know, uh, 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 one of these, some of these newer trending cryptocurrencies or don't go into this established one because maybe it's peaked or, or hey, mm -hmm. don't try and trade day trade or, or things like that. What, what are some things to guard against? Um, I would say that the best tactic for people who aren't knowledgeable of the space is really to buy and hold. Um, I mean, it, it behooves me to encourage you to trade more because if you're using my links, then I get some of those trade fees. But for most people, the best tactic is just to buy and hold. Um, mm -hmm. Now, you also need to do due diligence if you're going to venture outside of just bitcoin and ethereum because i know that dogecoin right now is a hot trending topic um you know mark cuban is going to allow dogecoin payments for you know mavericks tickets and mavericks merchandise um i would caution against something like like dogecoin or xrp or cardano and i think that new people are attracted to these cryptos because they look cheap, right? You can buy a lot of them for your money, but you got to really look at the market cap because that's what matters. Now, yeah, people are like, oh, well, I can't afford a Bitcoin because it's $50,000. Well, you can also buy increments of Bitcoin. You don't have to buy one full Bitcoin. You can buy, you know, 0.1 Bitcoin. Um, and what, like I said, it really just depends on the market cap. It doesn't, I wouldn't look at price. Um, I think over the long term, uh, it's not going to really matter because five years down the road, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, they're going to be 10, 10 times where they're at right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now talk, talk more about that, that thing you mentioned a, a couple minutes ago of, of maybe somebody's not, not trying to, you know, find the next one that's going to the moon necessarily, but you, you invest in it and you immediately getting these five, 6% uh, dividends. Yeah, so I can actually post some links to a couple of services. Um, first one's called BlockFi. The second one's called Celsius. They're all U.S.-based, but they also cater to international clients as well. But if you just buy Bitcoin, let's say you go, you sign up for on FTX, you buy you know $2,000 of Bitcoin, you transfer your Bitcoin holding to, to BlockFi, and they will pay you interest just transfer it to their platform just to hold it. And the, mm. the way they're able to do that is they loan out your Bitcoin. Now, it's not FDIC insured, like your savings account or checking account would be, but they have what's called an insurance fund. So anytime there's any adverse 
volatility on your account, they're going to um, indemnify you, basically. They're going to pay you back. So I don't want to say it's riskless. There is risk, but it's risk um, reduced. Let's say that. Um, okay. And, you know, for new people who are just looking to dive in and touch, you know, get their toes wet and just want to earn some passive interest, you can buy stable coins too. So right now um, there's a coin called USDC, which is basically is a dollar. It's pegged to the US dollar. And it, let's say you buy $2,000 of USDC on FTX, you can transfer it to BlockFi and you can earn 12%. So I don't know any savings or checking account in the US that pays 12%. And that's essentially what you're doing, but you're just doing it in crypto. And it's a stable coin, so it's never going to lose lose value um, against other cryptos. It's always going to be pegged to the U.S. dollar. So it's a one one for one on the U.S. dollar. Okay. All right. Really, uh, really good stuff there. Now we're we're gonna we're gonna get you, you know, like uh, maybe allow you to give some links. You know, some of these links might be a little bit long. You guys can check out our our helium10.com forward slash podcast on it, but. Uh, you know, those of you listening on, on your car radio or, or on your phone, you know, hopefully you will be able to write these links down. But before we get to that, we have this part of the show that we call the uh, TST or 30 second tip. That's so is there something that you can say either about Amazon, about infomercials, about supplements, about producing in USA, about cryptocurrency, about growing up in the same town, your whole, I mean, anything at all, <laughs> you could say like 30 seconds or a minute or less that that's highly actionable, highly valuable, maybe a little bit unique that our listeners can take away from this. I would combine both aspects of our conversation, Amazon and crypto. Um, about two years ago, Jeff Bezos bought up a bunch of domains, you know, ethereum.amazon.com, bitcoin.amazon.com, um, which has tended to be a prequel to um, Jeff's interest in a, um, a an industry or, or segment. Um, if I were a betting man, I'd say in the next year or two, Amazon is going to start allowing payments in crypto. Now, I don't know how that translates to sellers, but I do know that once that happens, crypto prices are going to skyrocket. I mean, Amazon is the mother uh, of all e-commerce and sales these days. So if you are involved in crypto and Amazon, I think it's going to probably two to three X your investment. Okay. Love it. I love it. That's, that's great stuff. So uh, can you throw down some of those links and you know, we, we've been talking about different websites and stuff, but, but you might have some links that people can uh, use and, and maybe you can get some credit uh, credit for it too. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, if you use these links, not only do you get a discount on your trading fees, but ping me, I'm happy to share some profits with you guys. I mean, it, that's the, the, the beauty of crypto is we are a community. We're all, trying to just help each other out. And, you know, being an Amazon seller myself, you guys kind of already speak to me and speak to my, my lifeblood and what, what's kind of uh, FTX. And this is the U.S.-based exchange. So important to note, they have two exchanges, one for international, one for U.S. But it's uh, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash FTX dot U.S. forward slash hash mark A equals one three zero three two six two and the international for those listening internationally is https colon forward slash forward slash ftx dot com forward slash hash mark a equals one six five 
7519. All right, cool. So guys, if you if you weren't able to write that down, you know, rewind it or or just go back to a helium10.com forward slash podcast and search for this uh, episode. Any other way that people can reach out to you that, that you're comfortable with uh, sharing, Nick? Yeah, sure. I can give you guys my email as well. My email address is durianmint at protonmail.com. I'll spell that. D-U-R-I-A-N-M-I-N-T at proton mail.com p-r-o-t-o-n-m-a-i-l.com all right awesome well nick thank you very much for coming on and we'd love to have you back in like a year or so to see what you're up to unless you're a billionaire already and you don't have time for the rest of us but uh <laughs> i always make time. love talking about this kind of stuff with you um and and we'll just have to uh now that the world's getting back together we'll have to uh, link up here in san diego again yeah absolutely thanks for having me on and i uh, appreciate your guys time and everything that you've done for me personally bradley Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure.